1: Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at That's OLLY.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Let's talk about what's going on in healthcare in this country. We know from our conversations with Catherine Smart, the former immediate uh, past president of the Canadian Medical health Association, that hundreds of thousands of surgeries have been postponed in this country. Hundreds of thousands. We know that uh, diagnoses are not taking place. Tests are not taking place, at least not as quickly as they should. And diagnosis of cancer and, and heart disease are not being, uh, in a timely manner, uh, done. And even cancer surgeries have been, have been delayed. This is a major issue. So is this the time to introduce private health care, more private health care into this country? Some provinces believe it is. There's also the story that came out on Thursday from the Canadian Medical Association, a survey of Canadian doctors, and here's the headline, Canadian Physician Workforce in Despair. Dr. Alika LaFontaine is the new president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. LaFontaine, thanks very much for joining us, and uh, congratulations on being elected president of the CMA and the first indigenous person to hold the office. Congratulations.
1: Okay, thank
0: you very much. Thank you very much. Good to have you with us. Um, so let's start with the survey Thursday, released Thursday, a national survey shows physician workforce in despair, CMA. You found 48% of Canada's doctors screened positive for depression. Talk to us, please, about what, the, what what does this mean to to the to the medical profession and to the people who count on Canada's doctors?
1: The National Physician Health Survey is the only national survey that looks specifically at the health of our physicians and and their role in the system and you know it is quite alarming to see how the metrics have shifted since our last survey back in 2017 you know you take the most resilient part of the system which really is the people and you look at physicians specifically and and you see these changes I mean I'm alarmed I think Canadians should be alarmed as well.
0: So 2017 the number was 33% uh, screening positive for depression and 48% in two thousand and twenty-two, not uh, not a good metric. Depression can be highly individualized. We talked about that in the last segment, uh, mm-hmm. but but how um, have you personally, in your travels around the country and uh, and your ca- connections with contacts with doctors across Canada, have you seen a deterioration in just what appears to be mental health of, of Canada's doctors?
1: I, I think the average listener knows that there's a lot of crises that to be converging, you know, and, and burnout's not just something that physicians are dealing with. It's, it's something the average Canadian working is is dealing with. A lot of the things that were, were normal before the pandemic are not normal today, and the stresses are much higher. Um, you know, I, I go around and, and talk to colleagues. You know, I experience myself as, you know, frontline healthcare worker doing anesthesia in, in the OR and, and being uh, part of those integrated teams. You know, the, the pressure on us and the weight that we feel patients is, is a lot heavier and if patients are coming in sicker they're coming in later because of those long wait lists you know expectations continue to rise you know we're expected to do more with less and no matter how resilient you are there eventually comes a point where you know you, you get to that breaking point point. and I think we're seeing more and more across the country that we're expecting more than people can give and it's not a reasonable place for us to be right now
0: no five million Canadians have no primary care physician wait times for tests and surgeries were extensive as you said prior to COVID. now are literally i believe costing lives canadians are restricted to engaging public health with the exception of quebec where individuals may purchase private health insurance because of that supreme court decision exclusive to quebec the so-called shaouilly decision it's an all too familiar songbook and we're not going to be able to instantly reverse the health care decline the question in this uh, case dr Lafontaine, is uh, do we have a plan to begin a meaningful turnaround of healthcare in Canada? It has to be more than we need more funding.
1: Hey, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, Dr. Smart, in, in her role when she was president in, in the preceding months, said the same thing. You know, we've heard from Premier Ford and the Atlantic premiers coming out of their meeting last week that, you know, the status quo is not an option and all options have to be on the table. And I think there's two ways you can take that. You can start to move towards a conversation about private care, but I would actually say to sit back and have a much broader view. We have many different systems across the country. They don't coordinate very well. People are doubling down on creating those walls and barriers instead of breaking those down. And I think if we have better coordinated care across the country, if we have you know people sharing information more clearly if we start to have a, a pan-national approach to you know even something as simple as health human resources you know we we can accomplish more with the same resourcing uh, and create better experiences for, for patients at the end of the day that's actually what we're trying to change
0: I uh, recently lived in Quebec for nine years where it's a different reality Quebecers may purchase private health care insurance which allows and pays for patients uh, to secure healthcare, including surgeries in the private sector. Um, And that is when access to care is inordinately delayed. And I I found a a piece of, of information that I had around for a while. Wednesday, August 17, 2005, Canadian Medical Association General Counsel. The Canadian Medical Association supports the principle that when timely access to care cannot be provided in the public health care system, the patient should be able to utilize private health insurance to reimburse the cost of care obtained in the private sector. That's policy from CMA in 2005. How does that fit in 2022? You know, I, I think we're still applying a lot of approaches that may have made sense, you know,
1: decades past, but they, they're not designed for the care today. And so I'll, I'll underline to listeners that the, the health system is not providing what we expect or what we want, and there needs to be some sort of change. But we we have to be clear about what we actually need. So we we often mix up a lot of things with private care. You know, I find one of the, the, the ways of describing it that makes a little bit more sense to the average listener who's not in the health system, you know, doesn't work in the health system, is, you know, this idea of outsourcing capacity versus insourcing. And I think it's really the outsourcing part that is scary for physicians like myself who provide frontline care. You know, if if a priority is lower cost among all other priorities, which really has become an obsession for health systems over the past couple of decades, you know, outsourcing makes a ton of sense, but you have so many cons that come along with it. You have lack of control. You have communication issues. You have issues with quality. You know, it impacts the culture of medicine. And I I find, at least myself, when, when we sit down and have these conversations this focus on lowering costs at the expense of, you know, patient experience and patient quality and patient safety, it gets worse the more that you outsource. And so I, I really hope that we have this conversation about what we're actually trying to prioritize, which is that better experience. I, I think patients in general who haven't experienced the system sometimes don't understand the differences between those two. And we, we have to involve people in this conversation. People have to become literate in this conversation in the same way that people focus time and attention on becoming, you know, armchair epidemiologists in the course of the pandemic. This this affects you directly. You should be a part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. We you know, when we talk about private healthcare being brought into the country in a great to a greater extent. I just wonder whether we could attract investment in healthcare and attract healthcare professionals, doctors to Canada, if we weren't so strictly dogmatic with public health care. It's a model which exists all over the world. Where public health is a partner, of sorts to private care, there, there has to be room for that discussion, don't you think?
1: Well, I, I think there's there's two things in in what you just said. The the first is there are many health providers across the world who actually want to come to Canada to practice. You no, know, and and those who've worked in other systems who actually find our publicly funded system, you know, more patient centered. And when you actually do get those pockets where we focus on patient experience, patient safety, you know, high quality encounters. They do like the way that they provide care better, but we don't have a pan-national approach to creating that pathway for people to get into the system. We, we still have these divided approaches across provinces and territories. And so, you know, it's, it's things that lead to collaboration that I think will lead to what we want, but uh, it's not, it's not really the question, should we have more private or public? It's what are our choices creating in the system? You know, what are we actually trying to design? And if we can have that honest conversation and if, the average listener and average Canadian can participate and become familiar with what we're actually trying to create. I, I do think we have a lot of hope for creating a better system tomorrow.
0: Well, Dr. Lafontaine, I wish you all the very best uh, Incoming, coming well, of the actual new, new president of the Canadian Medical Association. I hope we can talk to you uh, periodically throughout the, uh, your time as president.
1: I'd enjoy that. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Alika Lafontaine. Okay, so I want to come to you now. We uh, have come through two-plus years of COVID, and now we know our hospitals are stressed across Canada. ERs are, in some cases, closed on the weekends. There's a critical nurses shortage. We've heard that from nurses. Doctors are retiring faster than the general population, and now they're dealing with depression. It can take much longer Maybe you've experienced this to have medical tests conducted now and illnesses diagnosed and treated, including cancer. The situation can be different depending on where you live in Canada. So let's talk about your experience with the Canadian healthcare system now and what your thinking is about introducing additional private health options, what they may be. Uh, Susan in North Vancouver, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Susan.
2: Hi. My husband, a couple of years back, well, twice he's been to the hospital. Our, um, he had, was diagnosed two years ago, right at the height of the pandemic, with prostate cancer. He went for a blood test. It was high. Within three months, he had tests, he had scans, he saw specialists, and he had an operation. They kept him in hospital for two days, and then they kicked him out because it was a, an outbreak on the floor below him. It was St. Paul's Hospital in, North, in uh, Vancouver excellent service. He's fine now. He's recovered. He's doing well. They caught it just in time. They told him he didn't need any follow-up. Last year um, at Christmas time, he takes high blood pressure medication and the doctor put him on the wrong medication that caused his blood pressure to drop really, really low. It was so low that he could have had a heart attack.
0: What is, what is we, we, you've had a very satisfactory a experience with that hospital in Vancouver. What's your thinking about introducing additional private health care components, given the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of surgeries that are delayed, that aren't taking place?
2: Well, as long as it's paid for, because there's a lot of people that can't That's afford to pay.
0: Absolutely, as long
2: as it's paid for, and I don't believe in people, okay, it called going stepping ahead of somebody else just because they have private.
0: Absolutely, I, I agree with you, Susan. Thank I you so much.
2: Disabled, and it wouldn't be fair.
0: Okay, thank you for the call, and I agree with you. And the the model that I've always promoted is, you let the private healthcare uh, companies come into this country and they uh, build their own offices, their own clinics, their own hospitals. They operate them at their own expense, and then anybody, anybody in this country who requires assistance, medical assistance, can choose to go to the public system or go to the uh, to the uh, um, private system and provide, just hand in your provincial health care card, and they get paid, the, the health care, the private system gets paid by the province the same way The public system gets paid, and if the private system can make a profit, then great, and the service improves, and if they can't, they'll go out of business. That, I think, is how it should be, my view. Carl in Keswick, Ontario. Carl's been holding on. How are you, Carl?
3: Good afternoon, Roy. Pleasure to speak to you. My pleasure. Okay. My story is very simple. Um, I joined private medical care, which I pay for on a visa card, and I've very happy with the results. Um, it's a combination of uh, if I have to have an operation. Uh, in Toronto, when I busted up my leg, uh, it was 11 months to see the specialist sur- uh, foot surgeon and 14 months afterwards for the surgery date. Uh, by writing a visa card, two and a half weeks in Cleveland, USA. That's yeah. a-
0: so you didn't put any pressure on the Canadian healthcare system. You went to the United States and paid for it with your own money.
3: I saw I saw a doctor here in Canada who said he could not perform the operation in Canada. He could do the pre-op and the post-op, and I would go to the U.S. for the operation. Um, Eight thousand U.S. and I didn't care. Uh, but it was uh, two and a half weeks, and it's done. You spend the overnight in the hospital, four days in a hotel. And you fly back to Toronto.
0: Okay. Now there are lots of people who can't afford that. People who are, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking you. You know that. People well, can't afford it, and so they look at the system here and they want to be treated here properly, and they have every right to be because we pay for this. This is why healthcare isn't free. Look at your taxes every fifteenth and thirtieth, or at the end of the year, April thirtieth. You pay for the healthcare system. Well, what happened here? I'm sorry, Carl, but let me just say well, this. I, I've
3: since joined a medical concierge service. Yeah. Uh, Last October, I needed a specialist appointment. I was given a 15-minute telephone consultation in March of 2022. Uh Uh, I joined the medical concierge service. I was seen by a doctor in four days. Uh, He examined me for about an hour and a quarter, if I recall correctly.
2: And when I asked
3: him about it, he looked at me and said, if I was in private care, I would have had to have seen four people instead of just you.
0: How much does that concierge service cost you, Vito, not am my asking?
3: 3000 a year plus HST.
0: Yeah, I've heard that too. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate that. Uh 225 8255 What's your experience with health care in this country? Uh, I'm going to go to Dr. Mark Cole in just about 30 seconds in Ontario, but I just want to go back to the Supreme Court of Canada making a decision because of a man named Shaouli, I forget his first name, but he took his case through the court system in Quebec all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada arguing that he should be allowed to purchase private health insurance to reimburse him for the cost of care obtained in the private sector if that were necessary because of untimely delays in the public system. And the Supreme Court of Canada said, you're absolutely correct, Mr. Schaulie. You should have, and you do now have the right to purchase private health insurance to reimburse you for the cost of private sector care if you don't get timely access to the public health care system. But, said the Supreme Court of Canada, this only applies to the province of Quebec not to the rest of Canada. Dr. Mark Cole in Newmarket, Ontario. How are you, Dr. Cole? Thank you for the call, sir.
4: Hello, Roy. Go ahead. Hello.
0: Yes, you're on the air.
4: Hi, Roy. Uh, Thank you, I'm a long time listener. Um, My situation is that I have been waiting uh, over three years for hip replacement. I'm a veterinary orthopedic surgeon and I know what the procedure is. I know how long it takes, and I have no understanding of why I have been sitting for this length of time without the ability to get my surgery. And in addition, I have the means to head off offshore, uh, but OHIP would not reimburse me for the cost of that surgery that would take me off the wait list and reduce the workload on the system, should I choose to do that? And I I understand the Canada Health Act says that I'm afforded timely care. I think three years is a little bit too long.
0: That is much too long. Now, if you wanted to get that out of country care and paid for by the Ontario Health Insurance Plan, you would have to get their permission to go and have that surgery done outside Canada and once, if they granted you that, they would reimburse you. But if you're right, if you go on your own, you're on your own. But they won't. They will not grant that. I, well, I'm. I do not know. I don't know they won't, but I'm. I'm I they won't. Yes. No, they won't.
4: I tried. No, they. So if I way. bring
0: my dog, if I bring my dog in to see you, Doctor Cole, and my dog has a hip issue, I don't know if you do hip replacements on dogs or not. We do. Okay. So if I bring my dog in to see you, and my dog matters to me. And I bring my dog in, and Dr. Cole says, we can do a hip replacement on your dog, Roy. Here's how much it's going to cost you. Never mind. You don't don't need to tell me how much it is. How quickly could you do it? In a week. There you go. And you've been waiting three years. Three years. Any idea how much longer you have to wait? I have
4: no idea. They're telling me there's hundreds of thousands in the backlog but I I think I'm probably just going to bite the bullet as soon as it's safe for me to travel with COVID, and I'm going to go to Thailand because uh, luckily I have the means, but few people do. And so what are they doing? They're sitting on crutches just like me, and they're going to sit another two years.
0: Yeah. You have people who have diagnosed cancer, can't get the surgeries, diagnosed heart issues, can't get the surgeries because it's overloaded. The system is overloaded. And it's just throwing. Well, you tell me, is the solution throwing more money at it?
4: No. Um, I agree with you completely that the private sector can work in parallel with the public and they can complement each other. And based on workflows that have been and increase and, and decrease, they can help each other out to get people to health care that yeah. the Canada Health Act. Says that they can. Otherwise, they should just all call themselves Labrador Retrievers and go see your vet and get a surgery next week.
0: <laughs> I remember speaking with a private healthcare company in the United States on the air. This is quite a few years ago. And I asked them about this thing I suggested Would you come to Canada? Would you consider coming to this country and building at your own expense clinics and hospitals um, based on the model? that exists in the public sector, so you would staff them, you would build them, you would equip them, you would run them on your own dime, and then if patients came to you, they would provide you with their provincial health card, and you would run it through as you do as the public system does, and you would build the province exactly the same way for exactly the same amount um, as the public system does. Do you think you could survive and profit in this reality? answer was immediate, yes.
4: Right. Well, the, the, the answer is sh- shown by, for example, veterinary medicine. We don't get any money from an OHIP outsource, um, but still, the care comes quickly, and it's very high quality, and everybody makes enough money to make a living.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts,